Hello and welcome to the Podagogy Podcast, the podcast that aims to bridge the gap between teaching, coaching and all things pedagogy. This episode is all about those who are new to teaching. I sat down with Andrew Taylor, aka Mr T. Andrew is an experienced NQT and ECT mentor. We discussed his top tips for ECTs covering everything from relationships, communication and the importance of being authentic. Awesome. So yeah, good morning, uh, Andrew. Thank you for thank you for joining me. It's appreciated. Um, so what I like to do, kind of with with the guests on this pod uh, before we get going, is really hear a little bit more about yourself um, and your background and your your journey, um, and then we'll kind of get into things. Yeah, that sounds good. Really, uh, really good to be here this morning with you, Dexter. It's really nice. Um, yeah. So I'll go back. So I qualified in two thousand and two, and um, Accepting to teaching then at a time where everything's very prescriptive. I trained during the National University mm-hmm. of Literacy Strategies with a very set structure to everything. And um, people old enough remember QCA schemes where you were very much told this is how everything looked. Over the time in education, the 16 years that I uh, taught in the classrooms for, um, I saw that evolve and a lot more creativity. But we found ourselves now back in a position where, you know, there are things becoming more prescriptive. We're getting back into that scheme side of things again. Last six years in my role, um, I was a deputy head teacher for six years and loved that. The bit I loved was developing the teaching and learning aspect of things, supporting NQTs as they were then, um, and supporting actually just teachers in general. I got to the point where uh, I needed to do something different, and it was whether I went down the head teacher route or something else. Um, and yeah, for me, it was that the bit that I enjoyed the most working with um, new teachers and being able to teach that was a bit that lured me down to the teacher training aspect so currently I work for the university as a, as a lecturer um, teaching PE is one of the subjects that I teach but I also teach a lot of professionalism professional studies and yeah absolutely love it it gives me that same buzz seeing uh, student teachers kind of grasping it there's light bulb moments building those relationships with people it's a really fantastic job to do and yeah I wouldn't do kind of anything else now and as part of my role it also gives me time to work with early career teachers as well so I spend a lot of time a lot of my time developing um, our ECT provision and also supporting ECTs through um, uh, provider-led materials on the ECF program so yeah that's kind of me and where I am at the moment Okay, I mean, yeah, off that, I mean, you've got quite a, a following on, on Twitter um, for your kind <laughs> of NQT uh, support page. And a part of that, you wrote a bit of a kind of a blog post, a bit of a top 10 uh, tips for, for ECTs or NQTs for their for their first term. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of to go through those because I, I, I've read through it myself and there's a lot in there that, you know, really resonates with me kind of looking back and maybe some of that advice I'd, I wish I'd had at the time, but also definitely a lot of the points I would I would share so I think it'd be really cool to have a chat around those and, and just get them out there for any kind of NQTs and I think there's a lot of overlap as well for people that are even new to teaching or new to, to coaching before we get into it just what I was interested to know when you when you wrote these are they in any particular order is number one the most important or is it just top 10 uh, it's a really tricky one whenever I get kind of asked to put kind of a list together of top 10s there are there are some that I feel are more important than others mm-hmm. but equally some people find things easier to do than others so some some of the things on their list will come very naturally to people so um for example kind of talking and being social with other members of staff that comes very naturally for some people 
but for other people that's something they might find more of a, of a challenge mm. so i suppose the priority comes from what you know you need to do to yeah, develop in that hierarchy of how important they are yeah cool so number one on there i think this is this is massive for me just ask for help i mean I think we've got to be happy to to be a kind of a bit vulnerable and be happy that we, we don't know everything and you know ask ask those questions as kind of get your take on that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that word vulnerable is really important. Um so often when ECTs enter the profession, they have that <laughs> that thought that everybody expects them to be a finished teacher yeah. and that they've been given that job and that they have to get everything right and everything has to be perfect. But it's not the case at all you know ask for help if you don't know things um there will be loads if if you go into a school that you've trained in and you stay in that school you'll have got very familiar with the systems the processes the language the vocabulary that the school use if you move to a new school those systems will be different even the language and the vocabulary that's used in the school around the same thing can be very different mm-hmm. so it is a real it's about asking for help because schools will are hugely supportive places and I stand by this they will want to support you but they will only know what support you need if you ask for it mm-hmm. so you know you they will know sometimes they will know what you don't know yeah other times they don't know what you don't know so you've got to be able to willing to say like I'm really not sure I've just sat through that staff meeting and this word's been said about 15 times I have no idea what you're on about yeah please can somebody tell me because we've all been there and yeah. I think there's that assumption that as a, an ECT you should be knowing these things but mm-hmm. nobody has that assumption of you but yeah you must must ask for help because yeah. then that help can be given and that support will be there for you yeah, I mean, I remember being on placement and have and in my training year, um, and I, it wasn't an. I did have an official mentor, but there, there was someone else who who wasn't you know, an official mentor, but um, really kind of took me under their wing and, and supported me through that. And I remember at one point just saying to them, you know, very British of me, I'm sorry for asking a million questions. And, and the, the response I got was, look, I'd rather you you ask and it gets done right, you know, I'd rather you ask ten times and we do it right the first time than you do what you think needs doing, and then we've got problems to to fix so i think yeah definitely be happy to to ask for help or ask questions and you know and, and double check things yeah. um so you've put these together kind of 2a and 2b so i'll put them together as well so get to know the key staff in the school and then then that i guess that sits with sit in the staff room you know? yeah absolutely i think i've seen very much and covid didn't help with this people becoming quite isolated and teaching i think is quite a it's quite a lonely job yeah you know you're surrounded by people all the time but often children you don't often get you get limited sometimes adult interaction and that's really important so building those connections will really help you and you know i've seen people kind of talk about like finding your tribe find your your, your crowd those people that energize you you know really spend time getting to know people and getting to actually you've got a similar out to take on you know on things on me I get energized by having those conversations with you find those people and spend time doing that but also it is right there's those key staff that you need to build that relationship with any support staff that you work with in your classroom absolutely you know get to know them as an individual as well as a as a professional and a colleague because those relationships that you have will really support you they will be the one that you know on a a wet Wednesday morning when you've had to do a wet play duty in your classroom there'll be the people that will bring you up a a biscuit and a cup of tea you know you've got to have those relationships with them Mm. and equally people like the school secretary the caretaker those people that actually without them the school can't function Mm. but also they are often they're the people that you will need throughout your time and they will need you so having those really positive relations and building relationships and having those 
that social capital with them is so important because then it allows you to be effective as a teacher you don't have to be worried about you know if that's you know you want a shelf putting up for something you've got that relationship to ask the class it's not going to impact on your on your learning or how to take longer to get those things done equally the school secretary first line of defense against parents <laughs> you know really get them on site and often the keepers of the glue sticks because we all know how uh, yeah. glue sticks are in education they're like gold dust um it is about kind of having those relationships with them yes there's a something you can get from it but there will be times when you can reciprocate that and support yeah. them as well it's really really important to have those those really positive relationships yeah i think it's also important not everyone's going to be your best friend I don't, that's just not it's not natural we're all humans but i think it's important that we've kind of got that shared respect that we've all got a common a common goal we're all here for the same reason let's make sure we're pulling in the in the same direction rather than yeah i think it's really 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 important i agree i think that is you i think you're absolutely right you know like you said you're not going to get on with everybody not everybody's going to be your best friend but that shared understanding of we're here to benefit the pupils, the children yeah. that we're working with, the students we're working with, that's where we need to go. And that's the direction we want to all go in together. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Because from that, I think as well, knowing that some days will be better than others. Uh, I think I think for me, it's like staying consistent. I think some days you're going to have 10 out of 10 days, left, but don't get too far ahead of yourself. But knowing that uh, a, a one out of 10 day isn't going to be forever. No. And that's it. And I... And I and it's one of those things, it's not, it's one of those things I always worry about kind of giving that message that not every day is going to be perfect because you, you will want as a teacher every day to go really, really well as well as it can be. But when you're working with, in a school environment, there are so many variables that can affect kind yeah. of your lessons. You know, you could spend the same amount of time preparing a lesson one mm -hmm. day to the next. And because of the variables you've got in the room, it doesn't go as well. And it's not necessarily that you could have done anything differently beforehand but you might think oh actually perhaps I didn't pitch that right or you know for any of us um looking at kind of primary secondary you can always tell if it's rainy if you just haven't been out or if yeah. it's windy or there's a full moon you know it's a really strange thing it has a real impact on the pupils and that's outside of your control but it's always okay you've always got another go at it and I always think with teaching if you teach a bad lesson you can always reteach it again tomorrow yeah. it's never the end of the world you know you've always got that opportunity to think actually do you know what that didn't go as well as anything do i'm going to tweak it and i'll do it again tomorrow and it and nine times out of ten it goes better and you haven't lost that learning it is about knowing that some days are going to be really great and you can ride that wave but equally when it dips don't don't get hung up on it you know move forward from it think okay that was today let's put a pin in it fresh start tomorrow let's go for it yeah i think that's why reflecting is really important isn't it you know that some elements of why it didn't go so well might be you know within your control and correct that for next time but then also understanding that there's some things we just can't we can't control i guess yeah yeah awesome. uh, and this is a point that um pretty much every guest so far has touched on in, in some capacity and for me it's, it's really really important is to, is to know your children or, or know your your learners or the groups in front of you and you know who they are where they where they come from their experiences because ultimately that that shapes the the person that's in front of you doesn't it it does and it that's how you know what to teach i see lots of um ects at the moment in the middle of the summer holidays talking about you know wanting to plan and wanting to prepare and everything and i think you can do the bare bones you get a sense of where they're going but until you know those pupils you can't plan those individual lessons into that depth that you you will need to 
by knowing those pupils, you can then start to tailor, you can adapt, and you will find strategies that work for one group of pupils that may not work for others, or strategies that you use one year and, and not the second. And, and it's fascinating for me. And that's one of the parts of the job that I absolutely love is that no two years are ever the same. So every group of pupils, every group of students, every group that you work with are different. And you have to learn to adapt and to be able to respond to those needs of those individuals. And some children, it will take you longer to get to know them and they will perplex you, they'll puzzle you. And you have to spend a little bit longer reflecting on those and how they can move, how you can support them. But equally, then there are those ones you'll get to grips with really quickly that you can think, okay, yep, you're just thirsty for more. You just want this, you want this, you need this, you need this. And you can kind of work with it. And it is about really knowing those pupils. If you know your pupils, you can achieve great things with them. And that's really, really important for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, this this is one that resonated with me really um, was to keep keep systems simple. Keep you know keep things simple. I remember early on wanting to plan lessons or lesson plans that were all all bells and whistles and trying to reinvent the wheel. And, and actually, you quickly learn you 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 don't need to. No, and that's it. And it, you know, good quality kind of teaching is about getting the pupils from you know a point of not knowing something to knowing something or not being able to do something to be able to doing something how you get there you know that's up to you and each teacher is an individual of how they kind of create and craft those lessons but you're right sometimes there could be that sense of putting on you know the, the show lessons and I often get in observation people often ask me about oh I've got an observation coming up around this what should I do just, just do what you normally do yeah sure. know what works for those pupils and it is about kind of keeping it really simple, keeping it really clear, making sure you're thinking, this is where they are now, this is where I want to get them to, what steps can I take to help support them? Mm-hmm. But equally on the systems that you've set up in the classroom as well. So often when NQTs would start um, at the school, they would spend you know time over the summer setting up their classroom and everything. We would say that these are the things you have to have yeah. in the classroom. We put support in place to kind of help them to, to do those things. But often then they would create new systems and you would see by three, four weeks in those systems were just still sat there not being yeah. used because they're not purposeful. And when you are planning your, your classroom, your first classroom, think about the systems that you've seen have worked for you in the past. Mm-hmm. But equally, don't be afraid to think, actually, do you know what? I'm going to see what my children need. What is it that's going to work for these pupils and keep them really, really simple so that you understand them. They're not time consuming. Because sometimes, you know, people set up systems like, OK, so at the end of each day, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this on a Friday. And then everything's a time is a huge commodity in schools. Yeah. There's never enough of it. There never is. So really think about how keeping it really, really simple. So actually, no, this is what I want to happen. This is what's going to happen. So when people need this, this is what's going to happen. Keep it really simple. You'll know it. You can explain it to the pupils. You can reinforce it to the pupils and it will help make your life easier. Don't kind of throw everything in at the beginning of the year take time to get to know your pupils what do they need and then you can shape your learning environment to respond to them and some things you'll set up one year will work for everybody some you won't and some pupils will engage with systems more than others oh yeah i always think about things like sound registration boards or um, zones of regulation where pupils can put where they are at different times i have i've had one every year and i always explain it this is what they can do at different points they can move it some pupils actively engage with it Mm-hmm. and they want to be involved with it and they want to move themselves each morning and every day when they come in other people's it's a bit of wallpaper for it, it doesn't mean that it yeah. doesn't hold any value with them so it's about think about what those pupils need and sometimes you need systems for individuals to support them but sometimes you know you you set up systems that 
not everybody will engage with and that's okay and if people aren't engaged with it or it's not doing what you wanted to don't be afraid to think that nah, ditching that yeah let's get rid of it yeah i guess that kind of goes hand in hand with what i've just said really isn't it about knowing knowing who's in front of you what's going to resonate what's going to make them tick and what's and what's not exactly yeah that's exactly it um, I think obviously, like you said about time, time being a commodity. Um, I think you know you've got it on here, and I use this phrase quite a lot: is is work smarter, not harder. Yeah, and that's an easy thing to say sometimes. It's not yeah. always an easy thing to do, and it is about you know talked previously about setting up systems, thinking about you know things like marking. If you've got a heavy marking day, think actually, okay, if I know you know if you're primary teacher, you've got you know your students are going to be finishing a piece of writing that day don't plan a heavy other marking session on that day you know mm. that's going to be enough marking for that night you know you've got to you know you've got to get that through that bit plan practical sessions or use peer marking self-assessment strategies that you can do to reduce your workload after school equally if it's a staff meeting night you know best room in the world they're supposed to be an hour staff meetings they're supposed to be let's set to that and I think I had, a, I think I managed usually about four or five staff meetings in the entire year that actually fit into that hour because there's always somebody with some any other business at the end that ticks it over. Yeah. And it is about knowing that, be realistic about that, that, oh, okay, on my staff meeting night, I'm not going to have the same amount of time. How can I adjust my time really effectively? Some people find lists really where we're prioritizing what needs to be done. Use lists if that works for you. Equally, you know, just placing things around the room to say, okay i need to mark these sets of books i need to mark this so you've got a system in place that helps you kind of really function mm -hmm. what i've often seen is experienced colleagues have done this as well that i've seen people think getting overwhelmed with the amount of work they've got to do and will spend 15 20 minutes talking about how overwhelmed they are about how much work they've got to do instead of using that time to actually make a dent in it and that's a really difficult thing because sometimes you can just feel overwhelmed you need to step away but use your, use your own knowledge of you to help support you. I am not a morning person. <laughs> I am definitely not a morning person. I, I used to arrive at school around about 10 past eight. And I would, at that point in the morning, I could do just about kind of putting out the books the last few minutes getting ready. But actually between four and six, I was hugely productive. Those were my peak hours. So I would always kind of do as much as I could in that time because I knew that worked for me. I had other colleagues who would be in at half seven in the morning yeah. doing those same jobs because that worked for them. And after school, they they found that their energy levels had dropped. They couldn't kind of work at the same capacity. So it's about finding those times in the day that worked for you as well, which I think is really important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say I was a morning person by by any means, but I think in terms of from a, a work perspective, I'm I'm the, I'm the opposite one to you that I would rather be in it. 7 seven thirty, and then be leaving at three four o'clock you know rather yeah. than and again i think that's really important is understanding what works for you um because again this this links into another point around kind of time for yourself and and, and your own well-being because i'm not sure about yourself but as someone who who's who's you know still in in the sector i find there's a little bit of a maybe toxic is the right word or a culture whereby that there's a narrative that if you're not working yourself into the ground if you're not in at seven and out at seven that you're not teaching and I, I don't think it's true and I don't think it's necessary no I I agree I so often I sit and listen to people talking about how hard teaching is and it is absolutely yeah. oh, hard God, yeah. there's no you know there's no getting away from that and people talking like very much similar to you that you know 
well, I'm in at seven every morning and I leave here at six and I take home two more hours of work. I usually switch off 10 o'clock. That for me tells me either that the systems that they've got in place aren't as efficient or effective as they could be, or there is there's something else that's kind of going on. The expectations that that school are kind of way beyond kind of what what's reasonable, really. I think, you know, teachers don't get... Um, it's not a nine to three job. We all know that, yeah. you, know, we, you know, there is a huge misconception out there that, you know, I was teaching you nine to three, you get 12 week holiday. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. Great. Then come and do the job. You, you give them, come and give it a go. If you think it's that easy, it's not like that at all. But I did up until first 10 years that I taught for as a classroom teacher, I didn't take any work home. The only work I took home were reports. As I already said, you know, 10 past eight in the morning, I would be arriving at the school and it was about, I worked in a different county to where I lived. So it was about a 40 minute commute. So I'd leave them house in the morning, about half past seven, um, get to work for about 10 past eight ish, depending on traffic. And then I would stay until I had, I was at the point where I could leave knowing that I was ready to teach the next morning. A teacher's to-do list never ends. Even by the time you get to the end of the summer, you usually think there's something that you haven't been able to tick off. And that's absolutely okay it's about prioritizing what's going to make the biggest impact on the pupils the next day yes there's a display that you could be putting up yes there's something else there you could be titivating there's something there's always something to do there absolutely is always something to do we're thinking about okay i need to leave because i need to have downtime i'm meeting friends this evening i'm going to play you know sport i need to leave at this time okay i've got an hour and a half now, two hours, what's going to make the biggest impact on pupil learning? And that's where your priority is. If you've got an extra 10 minutes at the end, you think, okay, I've got 10 minutes, I'm going to just titivate that little bit over there or check a couple of things through the laminator. Well, that's a bit of a, a band or a dirty word in education, the laminator. But, you know, it's about kind of using that time really wisely and thinking, setting yourself that time, blocking your time and get it done in that time, get those priorities done. And it's really, and that way you can make that make your you know your work life balance or your life work balance more beneficial to you so you're not driving yourself into the ground kind of day in and day out it is about making sure what's going to have the biggest impact on the pupils that's what your focus should always be and once that's done that's the bit you think okay i'm going to stop there because there will be other nights when actually the biggest thing that's going to make, make an impact on pupils it's not going to take you as long. You can then do the other things. So it is about really kind of focusing on what's going to make that biggest impact and really prioritizing that and knowing that you're still not going to have to have everything ticked off on your list. And that is okay because actually, and I stand by this, the most important thing pupils need day in, day out is you mm. and you're consistently being there. And if you're running yourself into the ground, you're exhausted, you're then having to have time off. That's not going to be beneficial to the pupils at all. So please, you know, work so that you can enable yourself to be there each day and be that consistent thing in a pupil's life because you opening the door with a smiling face as a smile in the uh, in the morning is actually the most important thing for the majority of pupils that you will you will work with day in day out yeah i think yeah i think for me i i would i would add to that is and this is something I, i've tried to do is either be i've described as be on or be off don't yeah, I'll do a middle ground. Like if, if I've got some work to do in the evening, great, I'll do it and I'll, I'll focus on it. But I'm not coming home from work, finished in, and then oh, I'll just I'll just check my email on my phone or I'll just dabble in this. And it's like the, the holidays now. I haven't touched my laptop since we finished. I made a real point of I'm not I'm not even looking. I'll deal with whatever I've got to deal with when I go back. Yeah. So either be on or, or be off. I think if you get stuck in that middle ground, 
you you don't you're not productive because you're kind of half in you know you're half working or whatever you're doing and you're not switching off and recovering and, and looking after yourself you're just in this horrible little kind of middle ground so you know find what works for you as you said and if you're on you're on great but if you're off actually switch off and worry about something else and don't get me wrong this thing you know my brain's going at night oh i've got to do this when i go back that, that's fine that's yeah. normal but i'm not i'm not being consumed by it all day i'm going out with with my partner and doing what we want to do and not worrying about work and actually having some time and this 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 summer has been really good for me to kind of actually recharge and um kind of be be, be ready to go again yeah absolutely and i think that's like you said it's really important that like i said to be on or be off and you're right there are things that are going to pop into your head even when you're not at work you know just i always say have a notepad by your bed you can just jot it down and then it's processed it's done and you can kind of switch back off again mm-hmm. but you're right but you can never unsee an email no. you know if you decide oh i'm just going to check my emails and something's come through that actually you know is going to cause your anxiety you can't unsee it whereas no. actually if you hadn't looked it would have still been there monday morning and then you can deal with it at that yeah. point in time that's really really important definitely um planning plan well well what, what what would you what would you say on that yeah and i think it's when as a trainee you are bound by your class teachers expectations the school's expectations about when things have to be taught and how they have to be taught as an ect you've got your school's expectations but actually then it's a little bit more over to you some schools use a very specific planning format and they have, they want specific boxes filled mm-hmm. other schools it's about actually it's planning that works for you and it's really clear, you know, Ofsted made it clear they don't expect to see planning for lessons. That's not an expectation. And as somebody who supervises trainees on placement at the moment, supporting um, trainees, too, I will look at planning. But if the lesson I'm seeing in front of me is effective, mm. I mean, that tells me the planning is effective. So that's what's, you know, really important that you make the planning work for you. Yeah. And it different people take different amounts of time to do their planning and like I said that could be down to school expectations your own processes going through don't compare how long it takes you to plan with others again it's about making sure you're delivering effective lessons yeah and your planning gets quicker and gets easier over time you get more efficient at it but also plan out and this links a little bit to what I was saying earlier around uh, managing your workload don't plan heavy resourcing days on the same, heavy resourcing sessions mm. on the same day, heavy marking sessions on the same day. Tweak them, spread them out. So you're making that, creating that balance for yourself over the week as well. Yeah. But it is about planning it up. Uh, ultimately, it's about enabling you to teach a really effective lesson. If your planning works for you, it's effective. If the pupil's making progress, the teaching is working it's clearly it is working so just find that planning that works for you as long as your pupils are making progress and your teaching is effective it works go with it yeah i mean yeah i i feel that i'm lucky uh, to work in an organization where there, there is an emphasis on that kind of autonomy because i we might have the same content but i might not want to deliver it the same as dave yeah. down the corridor or his group might need it delivering differently to my to my group. And I think that's really important. And this, this this consistent thread that we're talking about, about knowing yourself and knowing your people Absolutely. and what that needs to look like. You know, if, if your lesson plans on a sticky note, great. As long as when that comes to life, yeah, perfect. Uh, other people might take comfort in having a, you know, a step-by-step, minute-by-minute guide lesson. And that's, I think that's also fine as well. It is. And, and you're right. And 
like the bit that you were saying about, you know, teaching the same session to Dave down the corridor. You know, if you work in a in a school where there is a scheme of work or you're in parallel classes, mm. it can be often that the planning is not done for you, but some planning may be done for you and you may have to do that planning for others. But it's always about thinking about how is it going to relate to your pupils, as you were saying there. And we all have our different strengths. And, you know, quite often I get asked that, oh, I've got this subject as an interview lesson. What would you do? And I think, well, actually, what I would do for mm. my skill set might be very different to somebody else would do. And you always have to play to your own skills. I had um, a tra- uh, when I first qualified, I worked along a colleague, uh, a colleague who had a really strong drama and music background. She said, oh, we'll sing this and we'll do some role play. And I was sat there thinking, oh no that's really outside my comfort and it did make me feel quite uncomfortable delivering it and I don't think my delivery was as good as it could have been actually having worked alongside her I actually now quite enjoy doing those things yeah. you know quite like very bit of role play whipping out a puppet things like that mm-hmm. that I really engaged with but that works for me so I think it's really important yeah. that you find what works for you and make sure like you said it's about exposure to the content yeah the content has to be the same the opportunities have to be the same how you deliver it Make it work for your personal style. Yeah, because I think if I, if I was going to make my, my top ten, I think something that would I would have on there, and it, and it kind of links in with this, is about being authentic. I think yeah. kids, what students, learners, whatever age, they're not they're not stupid. They can they they see what's real and they see what's not, and they can cut through the the BS if you like. Yeah, they can. and they can. Uh, I think I again I work in an organisation with some fantastic teachers, some fantastic educators, but I'm not them. So yeah. there's no point me trying to replicate that. There's no point me trying to do what they do because it's not me, and yeah. and it's not that it's not the one's right or one's wrong or one's better. I think whatever you do, be authentic and and go yeah. from there. Absolutely, and you're right. There's there's colleagues that you work with, and this is something really important for ECTs is don't ever compare yourself to an experienced yeah. colleague because yeah. that in that way madness lies. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be at their level. But what you will find, as you were saying there, you know, you will learn from them, but you will make it your own. And you'll find little bits of your practice adapting based on what you've seen your colleagues doing, but it will be in your style. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, definitely. I think that that not comparing is huge. I think I actually put this reply to someone who had, had asked you a question on. I think I actually respond to it about what would your biggest mm-hmm. advice be for a trainee teacher? I says, you remember you're on your journey. You know, um, I comparatively to the people that I trained with that didn't start doing any actual kind of solo teaching until very late yeah and there was a period of time where I, was, I was very kind of anxious about that but that that was fine that was how my organization wanted me to work when I was with them and that and that's fine it was then it was tough to not compare to other people and what they do I think once you forget about that and worry about yourself then you're fine yeah absolutely I agree yeah. cool uh, so a couple more of these uh so Get to know the parents. I guess this is similar to knowing the students, knowing the uh, support staff or other staff. I think, again, every all the stakeholders that are involved. Yeah, it is. It is about, like you said, it was those stakeholder side of things. And you will know when you have those um, transition meetings with class teachers, they will, they know, they will tell you about the parents that you need to get on side quite quickly. And it is about being present with those parents. And so often, sometimes the first interaction you can have with a parent is when things haven't gone well you know that can often be that I need to speak to you about kind of what's happened in the class today it's not what you want to do is to avoid that by being 
like I said, contacting parents, being present on there, you know, if you're in primary, being on the playground in the morning, greetings, you know, speaking to parents, smiling at them in the morning, you know, going out there and speaking about the positives. Secondary, you know, sending little notes home saying, oh, really good session today, really great. So you've got that positive and they know that you're not just going to be calling up to say, oh, you know, and their heart drops every time they say, like, oh, it's Mr. Davidson, I just want to speak to you about it. And then you feel their heart just sink down where they think, oh, what's he yeah. done today? You know, you want it to be like that. There's that sense of, oh, brilliant. How, you know, what, how can I have, you know, what's going on? Because parents experience so often is that every time a school reaches out to them, it's because there's a problem, not necessarily that there's going to be something to celebrate. So really get in there early, celebrate it. Know those parents that are going to ch not challenge you, mm -hmm. but the ones who are going to kind of want you to get the best out of their pupil, uh, out of their child. Yeah. So it's about you know really kind of meeting them halfway and so establishing very early that you're both on the same page you both want to get the same opportunities for their child and you need to kind of establish that really early on and that will make such a difference it really really will fantastic right so uh the, the last one on here uh which i think is a very important one is there to to keep the the snack drawer filled yeah absolutely and it's it's kind of that sort of um Kind of metaphor really for kind of looking after your well-being over yeah. that time and it is about just having a place where you can go if you've had a bit of a, uh, you've had a tough lesson you've had a tough day or you know you feel your energy levels dropping just something that you can go to so or someone even that you can go to that just you know will replenish you get you going kind of keep you focused again and it is about like i said it's that kind of that metaphor really of that self-care of knowing what works for you and you know, for some people, their snack drawers may be, you know, highly processed sugary sweets. For some, it may be kind of fruit, nuts, berries, whatever works for you. And that's what's really important. Again, that as we've talked about quite a lot throughout this meeting, it's about knowing you, knowing yourself and knowing what you need. And, you know, if your snack drawer runs empty, know who in this school has a full kind of teacher snack drawer that you can. Uh, that's where you need to have befriended people earlier. So you could go and, uh, and rob theirs. I had a colleague who always had a full snack, kind of a full snack drawer that would always be like, oh, just, just flagging a bit to know. Do you want to go in there? Yeah, thank you. Here we go. So it is, it's just about kind of doing those things that help keep you, keep you functioning, keep you well and looking after yourself while you're at school as well. Drink and drink plenty of water when you're there. It's a, uh, it's one of those things. I had a, a colleague that ended up with, um, with kidney stones. And when she went to, um, to speak to the, um, kind of the specialist he asked whether she was a teacher or a doctor he said because they tend to be the ones that turn up the most because they're the ones that have such irregular patterns to their working day and often the people who forget to, to take drinks and to eat during time so it is yeah so it is definitely a, a thing so Jeff make sure you do drink plenty of water yeah fantastic I mean so yeah um I know before uh, before we started recording that you'd mentioned um since the time of kind of writing this this top 10 you'd maybe thought of um either some some new ones or some some slightly different takes on on what was already there so it'd be interesting to kind of hear what else you would add to that at, at this point yeah I think probably the only one I really think would be about being kind to yourself and I think this links to what we were saying earlier that that you have to know you are not you are still on your journey as a as a teacher it, you know it's, it's called early career teachers for a reason there's that identification that you are at the early part of your career and you need further development and that's absolutely okay and know that you will make mistakes you will have lessons that do not go the way you intend them to 
And that is all okay. And your school should be actively encouraging you to try out things, to make mistakes, to learn from that. As, as you were saying earlier, Dexter, you know, reflecting on what mm. it is that went wrong. But just know that nobody that has appointed you, they've appointed you for where you are at your career and they see that potential in you. They do not see the, pin- the a perfect finished teacher. What they see is you as where you are now and that potential that you have. They do not expect you to be perfect at all. So like I said, be kind to yourself. No, you will have bad days, but you will have good days as well. And, you know, keep those good days in your mind when you do have those bad days. And I always say, if you get like cards or notes from parents, pupils or anything, just keep them in a safe place. So when you are having a tough day, you can think, actually, it's not always like this. You know, like I said, be kind to yourself. You are on a journey you will absolutely get there. You can absolutely do this. You've demonstrated that you've met, you can meet the teacher standards. You've got your QTS. You're absolutely, you are there and you can do this. No, that, that's that, that, that's amazing. I think that's a really, really, really important um, point to make. And I'd kind of su- support that um, a thousand percent really. So yeah, I hope those kind of tips will be useful for people. I think, I think like I said to you, um, reading through them for the first time myself there was so much that either resonated with me now having had those experiences or that I wish I'd been kind of um kind of told at the time um so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that'll be really really useful for people um I know uh, then from from that what you've, you've you've got um a book coming out soon um yes so obviously don't give don't give up too much um, <laughs> but it'd be it'd be cool just to hear a bit about what maybe uh, people can expect to, to find in there or even just your experience of really of really writing it to be honest yes yeah, so it it's due out in january it is available for, for, for pre-order at the moment which was a real surreal thing when that kind of popped up on um kind of in bookstores and stuff it's like, oh it's, it's actually happening it was a really kind of surreal thing i've never felt that and i think this is a teacher thing that we always downplay kind of ourselves and you know people said to me oh you know previously like, oh have you ever thought about writing about that no nobody's got why would anybody listen to what I've got to say and even when I set up the Twitter account um it was one of those moments I thought the reason I set up the Twitter account is because I had worked with NQTs over a period of about 10 years worked with 17 NQTs and you know they'd all done really well and I'd shared my experiences when we were appointing um, teachers to us as a school that possibly had experiences or had their induction completed elsewhere their experiences varied so much and were not always as supportive as they could be yeah so my thinking was I wanted to create a space where people could ask questions could give information to kind of share those tips from my experience um, kind of daily tips that run during kind of the academic year all those bits and pieces that I wanted a safe place where ECTs could or NQTs at the time could come and ask questions without fear of judgment without kind of fear of that and but also to make sure that they knew their rights they understood the, what they should be expecting from yeah. school so I was approached to a, kind of a, to write the book and um like I said feel an absolute charlatan putting it together because again it's that sense of you know I don't feel I have anything above to offer than anybody else does in education. That imposter syndrome, isn't it? It is. It really is imposter syndrome. And I genuinely, you know, want to create something, want to create something that supports people. So it's very much in the similar vein to those daily tips. It's obviously slightly more expanded. I could do mm-hmm. a little bit more, but now it's not limited to 158 characters. So <laughs> it gives me that kind of room to go into things in a little bit more depth. But I wanted to create something that is grouped around 
So each chapter is grouped around a different area, so around pedagogy, behaviour management, but equally sharing just a lot of tips, a lot of advice, some of my own experience, experience of working with NQTs, and giving opportunities for um, ECTs to reflect, you know, to ask those questions, to get them to reflect on them. Because as we said, you know, it's about knowing you and knowing your pupils. And actually, I can give you tips and advice, but actually if they don't work for you, or if they don't suit your style or you as a person, I need to kind of offer those opportunities of well, what does work for you, you know, and giving those opportunities to reflect. So it was a real privilege to be able to kind of put something like, like that together and be able to create um, something that hopefully, you know, my hope is that it will help people. And that's kind of, that's the intention behind it. It's there to give people that source of reassurance, if nothing else, just actually, do you know what? I'm doing this. Yeah, I'm doing a good job. I can absolutely do this. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I mean, if this conversation's anything to go by, I'm sure it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fantastic and, and, and helpful for, for people. Um, cool. So how I like to, to, to kind of finish these uh, is a little bit of a, a quick fire uh, round. So I've got three, three questions for you. And obviously we've done your top 10 kind of uh, tips, but if you had to have three fundamentals to successful yeah. teaching or successful coaching, um, what would they be for you? For me, uh, can I say the same one three times? <laughs> on, yeah. uh, relationships is definitely the first one. And I would probably say that all three, for all three. Yeah. I think relationships are absolutely key, whether that be relationships with peers, with pupils, with students, with colleagues, whatever. It is about relationships and about being able to create. Um, that's something that Paul Dix has used with the word I use his word, relational currency, that you've got that relationship with people because then it helps both parties and it allows you to have difficult conversations but also to celebrate when things are going really really well I suppose on the back of that communication mm -hmm. you know to communicate really clearly and yeah. openly with each other so when things aren't going well being able to tell each other but equally like I said celebrating when things are going well yeah and then third one would probably be about expectations and I think this is something that so many trainee teachers fall down on mm -hmm. is not being really clear in their own expectations of what they want from the pupils they just mm -hmm. they have this assumption that pupils will know these things they will yeah. know how to behave they'll know what they want from their work they'll know about the quality of presentation they're expecting they don't and that's true of mentoring and coaching as well you have to make those expectations really clear what are we intending to get out of this yeah. what are my expectations of you what are your expectations of me having those really clear really early on really really beneficial yeah, I think like I say the bit of advice I was given around that was, you know, it's, it's much easier to lower your standards or expectations, if you like, than if to try and raise them later yeah. in the year. So I think, yeah, it's really important you have high expectations, high standards from day one. You know, yeah. I don't think this is, a, is a, I think Dan mentioned this on, on the very first part about not, not smiling till Christmas. I think that's a bit extreme, but the point still stands in terms of, right, let's, let's start here and then then we'll see how we go. I think it's really important to like, live those as well. I think it's, it's all well and good yeah. being like, you know, this is what we expect, but if we're not living it, if we, and this, this is me speaking a little bit as well from a, from my football background that we talk about team culture and values and expectations, yeah. but if we don't live that, if we don't uh, uphold that, then it's, 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 it's just words. Yes. Yeah. Worthless. Absolutely. I so agree. Challenging behavior that goes against your expectations. But then, as you said earlier, rewarding and appreciating and acknowledging behavior that is yeah. you know, consistent with what we expect exactly and I, I think you're absolutely right it's being your, or your authentic self you know mm -hmm. absolutely 
you know, being true to who you are and knowing, like you said, those expectations of, and I think that's the whole, the don't smile till, till Christmas thing. I don't stand with that at all. It doesn't no, fit me, me, me the type of person I am, the way I want to work. But I think it, it, it's about those having really clear expectations that you you reward and you just uphold relentlessly and continuously, you know, and consistently that you are there. The pupils know exactly where they stand with you. That's the thing that's most important and that will get you through. But yeah, crack a smile, greet people as they walk through the door. It must be nice. And I always say to when I hear that, you know, some people saying that, I said, well, actually imagine there's an ECT, you go into a school and your head teacher doesn't smile at you until Christmas. How, how welcome would you feel in that environment? How supported would you feel? And it's the same with pupils. They want to feel mm-hmm. supported. They want to feel welcome. They want to feel that you're approachable. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's what you've got to remember is you don't you don't have to not smile to have high expectations and for pupils to meet mm-hmm. what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean I watched a, a film literally yesterday. Uh, it was it's, it's an old one. Uh, it was on Netflix called The Freedom Writers, um, and that's it's about a teacher. Uh, I won't give too much away. I, def- I definitely recommend people go and give that a, a watch. Um, it was a very much about building relationships and breaking down the barriers and connecting people. Um, like I say, it's, it's a fairly old film now. It's about 2007, something like that, but I only kind of found it this week, but yeah, that's on, yeah. that's on Netflix. And I recommend anyone really go and watch that. Like yeah. I say, it's based on a true story as well. So, you know, it, although it's a film, it's, it's, it's real, it's very, very real. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just dropped that in there. Um, so knowing what you know now, uh, what advice would you give to, to Andrew just starting out? I think it kind of links back to what I added to is that about being kind to yourself, about knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. Nobody has those expectations of you, you know, and thinking about that imposter syndrome, you absolutely do deserve to be where you are. And I think yeah. so often we 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 feel that oh, I shouldn't be here. I'm you know, someone's gonna catch me out, something's gonna come along and say, What are you doing here? Who on earth let you be a teacher? That's not gonna happen. You know, you earn your right to be there and it, you know, just like I said, be kind to yourself and know that you are absolutely valued and you should be there. Yeah, wonderful. Um, uh, and finally, is anyone that you know that you recommend I look to try and speak to going forward? Anyone you think has got some some valuable things to say? Absolutely. So people I've met kind of on Twitter that have inspired me, really, I suppose. Um, so people like Adele Bates, she's absolutely fab um, behaviour, working with, with pupils with very... Uh, challenging backgrounds and have experienced some quite challenging things. Um, Dan Whittaker, who goes under Class Whisperer, he is um, actually, he's a colleague of mine now, but I first met him um, through Twitter and his work on inclusion, diversity is absolutely fab. Um, Sarah Watkins, um, she again um, met through Twitter, uh, made a connection with her and she does huge amounts on outdoors outdoor mm-hmm. learning and providing opportunities for people outdoors and then adrian bethune which i'm probably sure you know about and his work on mental health and well-being is just yeah. phenomenal absolutely dream andrew honestly thank you so much um there's been some golden bits of information in there that i think would be very useful for, for a lot of people so i appreciate you giving your time to me this morning no absolute pleasure Dexter, and thank you for inviting me on really enjoyed it thank you thanks for downloading this episode of the podagogy podcast and i hope you enjoyed that one as much as i did you can find Andrew on Twitter at Mr. T's underscore NQTs and his book, You Got This, Thriving as an Early Career Teacher with Mr. T is available for pre-order on Amazon now.